This thing will be packed, so you better do it fast. And, uh, and we can't we, we got a limit of how many we can handle, so we'll probably be able to handle not more than 500 people in here. And so this, I assure you, this will be packed. Also, it will be very, very noisy. So you might want to bring your earplugs for you that are sensitive that way, okay? Because so, it will be. Jake Hamilton, I don't think I've ever heard him lead worship without a little bit of noise. But it's beautiful. It's music, right? It's just really great. So, All right, so a couple other things. Uh, if you, uh, uh, our offerings have always been sort of weird now because of COVID and all this, so we've kind of evolved and um, if you can't figure out where to give your offering, it's in the bulletin. You can do that online. Or we have boxes back there, a metal box and uh, a little wooden one over there. So if you would like to drop something in, that's easy to do. Um, also, have another big announcement to make. Uh, my 44th wedding anniversary is coming up. Can you believe that? Awesome. She went like this, but I'm, a, I'm embarrassed to do that. But I'll, okay. Okay, but uh, I'm excited, so uh, uh, it'll be on Monday, that's our 44th wedding anniversary, May 3rd, so a day that lives in history. (laughs) Joe Michael and Janice Lane got together, so we've been having a great time, and all of our kids and everything, God's blessed us so much, and I'm just so excited, every anniversary that comes along is just uh, better and better, so that's the way it should be, isn't it? So, I'm not bragging, but I'm bragging. Right. All right. And um, also, uh, this National Day of Prayer, which uh, you'll notice I have praying for kings and all those in authority. I'll be mentioning more of this, but I just encourage you, come. Come. If we ever prayed as the body of Christ in the United States of America, it's now. We should be praying. And I mean going out of your way to pray together. As I'm going to share, there's power that comes in praying together that doesn't even come praying alone. That's why there's a distinction where two or three gather together in my name. So we're going to gather together and pray, and it won't be the only time. We've been praying uh, intensely all through this for our nation, not just COVID, but all the things that are happening in our nation. I think you uh, would have to be a little slow not to understand that massive things are happening in our culture. And... I'm not sure that I understand or anybody understands the full ramification of them. I just know they're serious. And uh, there's lots of change happening and has been happening. And, uh, and of course, we need just to continue to uh, pray this wretched disease off our county and our, our uh, city and off of the, the country. By the way, we're doing better in the county. You notice that? So just keep praying. I, I watch the numbers like a hawk, not because I'm nervous, because I just want to see the result of my prayers. And when it goes up to a little bit, I get mad. I hope you're doing the same thing. Uh, I just get mad when it goes up. Say, no, I can't go up anymore. It's got to keep going down, right? And also, there's one other thing I want to mention. We have a a funeral for uh, Tim uh, uh, Kearney, a wonderful brother. And uh, it'll be 2 p.m. this coming Saturday, May 8th. And uh, such a lovely man of God. And uh, he and his lovely wife. And this... And so if you knew him, you might want to come and honor his life. And uh, it'll be right here in the sanctuary. And uh, we're really, I'm really glad to do that. Matter of fact, one thing I'm proud of that we did during the uh, COVID crisis, first of all, we stayed pretty much open all the time, whether it was outside, inside, in between. (laughs) We didn't stop meeting for more than a few weeks. So I'm happy that we did that. It was just uh, been wonderful to see the Lord carry us along and heal us and deliver us. But along the way, as people do, some people died. 
And one of the greatest tragic things that I thought uh, happened, especially in the early days of COVID, is people couldn't have the right funeral. Well, we never did that. I had funerals no matter what. So funny, you know, why would you do that? Because it's especially family time. We need to remember people in their life. And Tim Kearney was one of those. So we're just now getting to this time where we're being able to uh, celebrate his life. But we did a lot of celebrating of lives during the COVID crisis. And, and, and they were just some of them due to this cause or that cause. But it was one of the wonderful things we did. And one of the most difficult things I had to do was uh, bury a, a son of a family. And, uh, and they, nobody could come at the mortuary site. Nobody could come because they didn't allow it except me. In the family, what a horrible thing that was, and uh, a couple of one family member. It was just horrible. So, by God's grace, we're over all that, and we're moving forward. And uh, by God, and one of the reasons why we're going to move forward is because I'm hoping, by God's grace, we've learned our lesson to pray for kings and all those in authority. It's extremely important. So, I want to start uh, with First Timothy uh, chapter two, and. Uh, this wonderful passage of Scripture, one of the most powerful passages in the Scripture, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So this is what Paul says to Timothy. I urge then, first of all, first of all, that's an important word, first of all. When somebody says first of all in the Bible, it has a tremendous meaning to it. First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. That's just another name for prayer, but it has different aspects to it. Petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made uh, for all people. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. So first of all, if we're anything, we are a house that petitions. We are a house that gives thanksgiving. We're a house that intercedes for our lives, our families, for our country. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So he focuses we pray, we pray, we petition, but we make sure that we pray for kings and all those who are in authority. Those are rulers, those that are put in our city governments, that are put in our county governments, national governments, and so on and so forth, and other forms of authority. Uh, people are in authority in the business world in unique ways these days, and other people. So that I think they're all included in this. Anybody that exerts authority over our everyday life, over our nation, over the, the sound of our nation, the feel of our nation, we need to be praying for them. And I just want to just say this again. I hope you get convicted with what I'm saying because this is a time you need to be praying for your nation daily with other people, by yourself, praying for government authorities. And that's why he says petitions, prayers. And the second thing he mentioned is, well, here's the first subject matter for kings and all those who are in authority that we might what? Live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So most of my life, we've been able to do that. I mean, we've had rough spots Vietnam, wars, strange things, 9-11, but for the most part, peaceful and quiet lives and all godliness and holiness, certainly above all the nations around us as we see utter chaos even in the nations uh, today. I'm so grateful for the country I live in and the area I live in. And by the way, I love Orange County. And I've lived in a lot of places. And uh, I tell you, uh, I know all about them, what they're like and everything, and I got a prediction to make. Some people that are moving out, you'll be back. You'll be back. But I love Orange County for more than that. I, I, not just because I think it's a nice place to live, but I, I think I'm called here. This is my geographical anointing, so I'm going to fight for it, and I hope you all are too. Do not, whatever you do, give up on your area, your county, where you live. 
Every area and every region has its advantages and disadvantages. There's no golden place to live. It all has demons and devils and things that we have to fight. They all have their own set of difficulties and problems. If you've never lived outside of California, then maybe it's good to see the way other people live and their problems and difficulties. Everyone has difficulties, right? So our calling is, wherever we're living, to make those difficulties go away as soon as possible, right? This is good, it says, and pleases God our Savior. So not only this proactivity is good, but it pleases God. God likes it when you pray for your area, and especially for those that are in authority, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. What an interesting thing. Who wants all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. So if there is the right kind of government, then it promotes or helps people to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Bad government interrupts that. And boy, I have been acquainted through the years, through all my missions experience, which is extensive, to bad government. And it's horrendous. It's horrible. We're seeing examples of it play out across the world uh, today. And uh, it's just a horrible thing. First of all, the gospel gets interrupted, the good news, and benevolence, and every kind of bonehead idea and thing you can think of, demonic intervention comes in these places and causes absolute misery, especially for the poor. So this is a really a powerful uh, section of Scripture. God releases the authority of his kingdom through the preaching, prayers, and kind actions of his people, which is amazing that he would limit himself to us. Now, I know he can go beyond us, but he really likes to go through our preaching, our prayers, our kind actions, the things that we do. We release the authority of his kingdom. If you look at Matthew 10, verses 5 to 8, for example. So in the very beginning, as we see Jesus begin to inaugurate this new kingdom age, he takes these disciples, and they're the first ones. They're the first examples, right, of what he's about to do for all the rest of us and through all the rest of us. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. So it's interesting, as as he begins to send them out, what kind of instructions does he give them? Do not go among the Gentiles or in any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So their very first call was to Israel. But as you see in Jesus' life, he began to give strong hints that this thing was going beyond, well beyond Israel to the nations. By the way, he handled all kinds of people, especially non-Jews, and then commissioning his disciples. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this is what he says to them. And he says the same to us. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So God releases the authority of his kingdom through the preaching, prayers, and kind actions. So when we pray for the sick, we drive out demons in the name of Jesus, which is another kind of prayer. When we freely give what God's given us, and much of what God has given us is the ability through our mouth to declare things that are true of life in God, that are true of the things of the Spirit. There are God's will. Think about your mouth and how powerful it is. If your tongue can destroy things, how much more can your tongue create things, even miracles and signs and wonders, right? So it's so important that we understand that God releases this authority through us and through our simple prayers for one another. But remember, the theme here is praying for those in authority, praying for those uh, that are uh, over us. Acts chapter 3, we see again, and I'm just illustrating the power of our words, you know, And if you think about this, in the very beginning when the Holy Spirit falls on the church and we look at Acts chapter 3 and and Peter heals this lame beggar, right? And and here's what he does. This is what he does. And it's remarkable, isn't it? Because 
this delivery system, our tongue, our mouth, our language, right? All he says to the guy, uh, we read it here in uh, Acts chapter 3. Uh, I'll just get on down to verse 6. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Now, he's not doing any special surgery. <laughs> you know, he's not doing any special. All he's doing is just speaking. He's just saying things. See, the power of our words is so powerful. Like the power of our worship. Anybody feel the presence of God when the worship? <laughs> I mean, you might have drug in here. I kind of drug in here, i got to admit. But when the worship began, it's like all that went away. Where, where does that go? Just because they're great musicians? No. I mean, you are good musicians. I don't mean to say that. You're great musicians, but it's beyond. <laughs> it's the anointing that rests on you and your great musicianship. Right? And so you feel different. That transformation that we feel in church hall, that's the spirit of God, right? And it comes through singing, right? We release something out of our mouth. It's amazing. So Peter, he's just standing there. He says, well, I don't got any money to give you, lame guy. But what I do have, I give you. So he doesn't give me any money. He just says, well, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He had that in him. Through his voice, it was delivered. You have power in you. You just release it through your voice in the name of Jesus Christ. And he just said the simple thing, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. He starts walking and jumping and praising God. And the people are walking and praising God, seeing him walk, walk and praising God. They begin to worship and they're filled with wonder, it says, and amazement at what had happened to him. So we are people of amazement. We are people that are to deliver this kind of opportunity for the lost, for the broken, and for the sick. This is what we do. And we pray for kings and all those in authority. But I'm just mentioning these things because they come through our tongue, don't they? Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. What a remarkable uh, passage this is. Because God gives this commission to Jeremiah. And so as I'm talking about all these people, um, it's so important for us to realize these same commissions, this same thing is on the church. These are very special biblical characters, but they were all foretelling the day of the church age when we would do the same. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. Jeremiah is saying this. And said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, Jeremiah didn't get appointed king of the nations. He just started doing it with his voice, and he would prophesy over a country, and it would begin to happen. Whatever he said would build up, overthrow, tear down. It would root, prefiguring this amazing thing that would happen with the body of Christ and the people of God. In our day, God gives authority to bind and loose all kinds of things through prayer, including things concerning our government authorities. And if you just pause and think of uh, passages like Matthew chapter 18, 18 to 20, truly I tell you, whatever you, ordinary church citizen, bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What an amazing thing. Are you kidding me? We're talking about angels and demons, the forces that actually control our environment the root of the problems that we have. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So this agreeing prayer, this harmony, we come together and harmonize over something, we speak over something regarding our families, regarding our government, regarding our conditions, and God moves. That's part of what he intended all along. 
Matter of fact, he just kept saying radical things. And so our challenge today is to believe radical things because they are really radical. If you just stop and stop being too spiritual and religious and everything, just stop, stop, pause for a moment. Whoa! Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, is speaking to a, about a fig tree, Jesus shriveled up with his words. But also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That, that's God's standard. That's where he wants us to go. And I can hear us and me saying, well, I asked for a few things I haven't received yet. What about that? Right. <laughs> so we take this, God's word, and then we work through it. Sometimes things come immediately, and sometimes things take time. He even told us about that. He said, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He talks about shameless audacity of prayer. Just keep pursuing, keep pursuing, keep pursuing. Sometimes things don't turn out the way we hoped, but I tell you, as you get radical on this and you begin to believe, be it done to you according to your faith and your mouth, because <laughs> what comes out of your mouth is extremely important. James tells us all about that. It's not just chiding us to make sure that our speech is okay so we won't injure somebody. There's power here. We need to pray for kings and all those who are in authority, and we have this powerful, if we, if we believe we're, we, we're able to cast things into the sea. There's a few things I would really like to see in the sea right now. How about you? <laughs> I, they're just going through my little brain right now, you know. So <laughs> My big brain. Anyway. Going back to 1 Timothy, let's just go back there. Praying for our civil leaders, okay? And uh, <laughs> praying for our civil leaders who sometimes aren't very civil, right? <laughs> Have you noticed that? I urge then, first of all, that prayers, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That's Prayers, petitions, intercession, thanksgiving, like I said earlier, can be summarized by the general word prayer, right? The result of praying for kings and all those in authority is that, here it is, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Has it been peaceful lately? <laughs> Not been too quiet either, has it? And so I'm anxious to see that all come back peace of God, the peace over ordinary things, not just in the church, not just within the boundaries of the church, but all over, right? But we have to go to a place higher than ourselves, and we have to understand that we have access to that place, and we have to believe in that place. And in a sense, we have to believe in each other, because our agreement has evidently something to do with it. The way we come together in prayer, it's hard to pray with someone you hate their, and you hate their guts, right? Or you're divided, and I just say this. I don't think anybody would probably in this room would probably uh, be on that level, or, or maybe you might. Maybe you had a really bad week. I don't know, but let me just say, even in your own family, your own household, husband and wife, you see the potential here. And when there's division between you, what gets taken away? What you cannot do anymore, right? So when we agree in prayer, even over those in authority in our own household, or in churches, or other forms of authority. It's so incredibly important that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And then it says this, which pleases God, which pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. So evidently, salvation is connected to our prayers for those that are in authority. Where the atmosphere is good with our governing authorities, salvation can flow much easier. There's more opportunity. There's possibility. Sometimes we take advantage so much. I mean, sorry, take, take for granted so much, which we take more advantage of. But uh, our, our situation, our good government, 
So one of the biggest shocks of my life as I began to travel the world is how crazy the world is and how a mess it is and how the governments, as I've had to interface with various countries, are just so nuts. You thought we had problems. But the thing is, we don't want to degenerate into those problems. There's absolute chaos. There's no justice, for one thing. There's no justice. People can't get justice. For you that have lived or raised in another country, you know there's no justice. It's not right. It's it's hor- horrible environment. But when the environment's right, guess what? God wants all people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth, and it's just easier for them to come to the Lord if the church does her job. Now, I think, by and large, for our nation, we've had a lot of freedom and a lot of grace. The problem is, as we've seen in this last season, we see how quickly that can disappear. We see how quickly it can be manipulated and controlled. We see how quickly things can become unfree. Right? And so it's so important, and especially just simple things like our ability to assemble and so on and so forth. It's really, really important. We don't give that up. And it's so important, more importantly, that we pray for those decision makers. You know, we've had a lot of praying to do during our time, this COVID thing, because even as decision makers on the local level, we had to make lots of decisions inside, outside, mask, what do we do, what do we not do? I mean, it was, it was hard. So guess what? God has answers to all that. So we prayed as best we could, and we got answers that we, we did. And we followed them. And I'm really happy about it, because I felt like I heard God's voice. He isn't up there saying, no, I'm not going to tell you my will. Work harder. <laughs> See, he wants you to know what he wants you to do. It's not complicated. That's something, I don't know why. I, that's one of the main challenges the enemy does, is he makes it so, so impossible to hear God's voice. It's not impossible to hear God's voice. The only impossibility is what's between your ears, being negative and, and being talked to in the wrong way and not having a high value for the possibilities of a supernatural God talking to his people, giving them instructions, helping them to pray, because it's good. It pleases God, the Savior. He wants everyone to be saved. He wants his church to be ready for that to happen and to be a part of the process, which is one of his great delights. The framers of our U.S. Constitution believed good government was only possible through the protection of God. That is absolutely a fact of history. No matter who wants to distort it, you go through and watch the early writings, look at the early writings, and just see what they thought. So most of the people of the early United States, they were refugees from religious persecution. That's why they are here in the first place. So the framers of our Constitution made sure that they were going to get that one right, the freedom of religion, right? We see in... 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, the unique place God gives Christians to make this happen. This is a very unique place we have, and we can't lose this, what our framers intended for our nation. Clearly, good government is God's will, and when we pray according to God's will, He hears and answers us. I want you to think about that. Good government is God's will, right? Everybody, you're out, are you out there still? Good government. Are you just so entranced by these majestic words falling from my... Let's get a little quiet. I already know the secret of quiet. When it gets a little bit quiet in here, uh, everybody's thinking a little bit, right? Which is really, really good. So government is God's will. And I want to just look at this in uh, 1 John. Okay. So here's... Will we, can we make that... Good government is God's will. Right, have I given enough information for everyone to believe that? Just humor me. Just say... Okay. 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 So, I get insecure really fast. 
All right, so look at this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Ask anything according to his will. So is good government God's will? So we're doing God's will when we pray, right? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So he's hearing us when we pray for good government. That's a pretty good deal. But wonder if we don't pray for anything else, anything, any kind of government. Wonder if we just get intimidated and get angry, you know, and start railing our leaders or complaining and all that, which is really easy to do instead of praying. We just need to change our mindset, change our attitude, because we need to go really to the root of the problem. See, rulers evidently are God's agents. <laughs> and I got this out of the Bible, by the way. I'm not speaking of any particular politician here. Including the lowliest of people. It's in the Bible here. For okay. So it happens to be Nebuchadnezzar. If you know anything about it. What a mouthful that is. Never heard that word. In the government of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Daniel and his friends were threatened with death. <laughs> Get this. Unless they reveal the dream the king had and interpreted. Not only did he want them to interpret the dream, he wanted to tell them what it was. And if they didn't tell him what the dream was, he was going to kill all the astrologers, including Daniel and his friends. But God revealed to Daniel the dream and its meaning in response to the, their prayers. So God, during the night, showed Daniel the meaning of this um, uh, uh, amazing, showed him the dream and the meaning, right? And so it's amazing. And so in that context, later Daniel also interpreted another dream that the king had, the same Nebuchadnezzar, and told the dream that God, and told the king after he interpreted the dream, that God gives authority to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest, the lowliest of people. You'll find that in Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. He interprets this dream. He tells him, basically, you're going to be an animal for seven years. <laughs> you're going to lose your mind for seven years. Now, it's amazing to me why they didn't just make Daniel the king and leave it at that, right? But he, wasn't the, he was a slave. He was basically a subject. So they let this Nebuchadnezzar wander around the wilderness like an animal, being fed by the dew of heaven and whatever he could find laying around for seven long years. Can you believe that? And then they, what's is even more amazing is that when he came back, they said, well, welcome back, king. <laughs> Talk about divine right of kings, right? You know, they, they in those days, they, they believed in this. They believed that if you were a king, you, you had more than just king. It wasn't just a political process. There was something supernatural about it. And they didn't want to tamper that unless they really felt like the, they had the gods on their side, right? But... So he tells them, you're going to be out of your mind for seven years. He says, the decision is announced by messengers, the holy ones, that's the angels, declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all nations. He let Nebuchadnezzar go crazy so the whole world would know that the, sovereign, that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. Isn't that amazing? So sometimes God puts people in authority that just baffles us. The lowliest of people. I'll never forget uh, uh, when we went back to Cambodia <laughs> and for, through a strange series of circumstances, a lot of you know this story, but 
I ended up in front of television cameras with the three others sitting there before the very rulers of Cambodia. I think they wanted some money or some help or whatever, but we're on TV. They even showed us on the nightly news, hoping to attract others to come and stuff like that. And it's a crazy thing. I had this huge ketchup stain on my shirt because I'd lost my luggage and everything. And there we are, like Frodo walking in there, you know, <laughs> talking to these guys. And, and so uh, I was so mindful, but I'm, I was looking at these guys, and, and they had been part of this Cambodian Holocaust, but they were not educated people. They were really ordinary. They looked like farmers, and they acted like farmers. And I'm thinking to myself, God, you put these people in charge, the lowliest of people. Here they are, you know. And I'm standing there, sitting there talking with them, and they asked me, what are you doing here? And they had just been a part of a brutal, brutal atrocity. They, those men, that were I was sitting in front, had murdered through their accomplices and through their, their government, literally millions of people. And I swallowed hard, and I realized in this sort of situation, you can't go partially in because they've already been spying on us. They already know everything. So I just told them, well, we've come in to minister to the poor, and we've come in to uh, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and plant churches. By the way, do you have a building I could rent? Because I've been looking all over. I just said it just like that. And then when I said it, I thought, what are you doing? Man, I can't believe you said that. But, but I thought, you know, either go big or go home, you know, because there was this, they're going to find out anyway, you know. They're going to find out anyway, because my friend Sapal, first time he raises someone from the dead or heals somebody or whatever, and he did, you know, everybody's going to know, right? And he couldn't keep this a secret. So by God's amazing grace, I ended up renting this huge facility, like four stories tall and a half a block long with no money, and promised the king that we would actually build him a school. And then I left, and I cried all the way home. And thank God, the first day when I got home, there was a prayer meeting going on in my house, and that was the most welcome sight I'd ever seen, because I said, guys, we got a lot to pray about, right? And so we started praying, but the Lord helped us, got us through that season. But I was just so mindful, the, the lowliest of people, the way God puts in place the lowliest of people for his own reasons. I don't know why such and such is over this or that. I don't know. To me, there's a lot of people I would replace if I were God right now. Quickly. <laughs> but he doesn't work like that. But he gives his church tools. And one of those amazing tools is the power to pray. Pray isn't just a wink, wink thing, wink, wink, you know, their eye, and we tell our kids, you know, you might have prayed, you might get that special bike, or you got be, you know, stay good, little Johnny. No, praying is the most powerful force in the universe because it's who we get connected to that counts, not us. But we get connected because of what Jesus did on the cross. He makes us clean, then he calls his sons or daughters, and then he says, now I want you to pray this, this, and this, you know. Pray for your government. Pray for these people, even the people that you don't like, even you don't respect. I put them there. God, why'd you do that? Well, so I call my church to pray for another one. <laughs> and also, I have purpose. I'll work with that person. I will work with them. I'm in charge. Don't worry. But you make sure I'm in charge by your prayers. You seek my face. You tell me what you want. You change the atmosphere. Well, why don't you just elect one of us to be president? Actually, it doesn't work as well. 
Because even people we elect president of our country, whether Christians or not, they have things that restrict them. There's other authorities involved. We've discovered that, right? There's other people, huge corporations, and other things pulling the strings behind the scenes. So let's just go straight to the king of kings and lord of lords. Don't mess around trying to be like the rulers. Let's just let him start moving around. And if they've got a bad attitude, let him change them or remove them, one or the other. We're fine with it. Just change, right? But for whatever reason, he puts even these people that we wouldn't necessarily put in place. But see, the thing is, in the last election, I'm sure many of you voted for one person or another, and I'm sure I know what most, who most of you voted for. But nevertheless, this intimidation, this anger, this like whatever, even fear of having a person rule that maybe we didn't like, listen, get rid of it. Quit. Stop. It's getting in the way of your regency, your authority to remove and change and rearrange things, even attitudes, things that God will set up for the benefit of the people. Let's see, the thing is, he puts it squarely, the anointing on his church. That's the point. Matter of fact, I think sometimes maybe if we get a person in office and we think of them as uh, too great, maybe we stop praying, oh, it's all taken care of, you know. Oh, it's never taken care of. It's never taken care of. And so we need to be prayers. We need to take our place praying for kings and all those in authority. It's interesting in this story, after the king was humbled and these seven years, he repented, he glorified God. And God can do the same to leaders in our days in response to our prayers. As a matter of fact, it was amazing. If you look at the verses that happened as a result, Nebuchadnezzar was giving his testimony. (laughs) At that time... I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. (laughs) I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Sometimes I think these people that are really on the wrong side of the tracks, really away from God, when they start turning, it's amazing who they are, what they're going to do, right? His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. Nebuchadnezzar is preaching this sermon. This is what I learned from eating grass for seven years. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and even became more, became even greater than before. Isn't that interesting? God took this guy and made him even greater. He thought he was great, but then he really made him great. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything He does is right and His ways are just, and those who walk in pride He is able to humble. And if Nebuchadnezzar can do it, so can anybody else. And I have a long list of somebody else's. Right? So, it's us, the church, we have to understand our authority, our power, our relationship. We need to make sure that we're in the right place praying the right way, and taking up our wonderful authority. Now, Cyrus the Persian, which came after Nebuchadnezzar, eventually came and removed the Babylonians. When Cyrus came into power, the prayer Daniel had prayed for 70 years was finally answered. So, 70 years earlier, Daniel was taken into captivity. And from the beginning of that captivity till the time that Cyrus came, he prayed. 
that Israel would be released to go back. And Jeremiah had prophesied. Talk about power that comes out of people's words. Cyrus gave permission to rebuild Israel, most importantly, to rebuild the temple. I'll get to that in a minute. But what happened was, Jeremiah, with his tongue, prophesied. You guys that went to, to uh, Babylon, build families, houses, don't rebel, don't try to come back, stay there, because nobody's moving for 70 years. That's what the king of kings says. And after 70 years, you're going to come back. Well, Daniel was a young man at that time. And we see him opening his window to heaven and praying every single day for Israel. And one time it got him in big, big trouble because those that were in authority were trying to do him in. And so they got the king to sign an edict. Nobody prays anymore for X amount of time. And Daniel didn't stop. He actually did it three times a day and he would make a big deal. He opened his windows toward heaven and he would pray. Could you imagine? And you know what happened then? He got thrown in a lion's den. Could you imagine facing a lion's den? This guy had so much conviction, he did not stop praying. You know, I, I think I would have just like, okay, I'll pray under my breath, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure, you know, sure. You know what I mean? We, we, but he didn't care. He knew that they saw him. He knew that when he was praying, he was signing his own death warrant. And then the Lord shut the mouths of the lions. But it was over prayer. Why was it over prayer? Because he knew that when he was praying, he was changing something. That's what he knew. And the thing about us that's so important is we need to negotiate this thing about time. And some of the greatest uh, problems we have in our walk with the Lord, some of the greatest pain uh, that comes to us is misunderstanding this thing uh, called time. Because sometimes when we pray, it takes a while before the answers come. And we have to negotiate that. And so we see in Daniel and all these other things that Jesus taught about, the, the widow and the judge. He, he told us this is what prayer is going to be like. If you want something done, it's going to take a little while. You may have to pray. Sometimes it will come immediately. But you have to be, and he called it shameless audacity. Keep on knocking on that door. <laughs> when the guy has some bread to give you and he won't give it to you. The widow, keep on asking, keep on seeking. Pester that unrighteous judge to death till you get the answer. And so... Daniel did 70 years of pestering. And finally the time came. And Cyrus the Persian was the one that came. He removed the Babylonians. And Cyrus gave permission to rebuild Israel. But here's the thing. I'm going to finish on this. And most importantly, he gave, him, gave them permission to rebuild the temple. Now why was that so important? Well, let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. This is a passage that you're going to hear a lot. We're gathering here in this room on Thursday. Uh, I believe it's at 7 o'clock. I think that's what we said in the bulletin. And, um, and so we're going to pray for our nation. And my guess is that there will be other churches that will be doing the same. I've already talked to a lot of my fellow pastors. and We've had some remarkable uh, uh, things happen on these days of prayer. Uh, we gathered all the churches together a couple of times. Some of you were there. Remember that? And one of the last times we did it was one of the greatest things. It was so great. God, remember when God brought the rain at the end of, or held off the rain until right as it was over, and all kinds of things. But anyway, this intercession is to be going on, and it's it's most powerful thing that could happen to our nation. I, I think the churches are going to see this. Hopefully, by God's grace, other pastors are preaching a similar sermon that I am. But we need to gather and come together and pray and ask God to bind and loose in the heavens, God to make changes. And we had a great men's prayer meeting. And by the way, if you know anything about us, you'll see I've got a prayer meeting for everything. 
I got little prayer agreements with many of you. Uh, you pray for me, I pray for you. We got the men's prayer meeting. We got, we've got the marketplace prayer meeting. We have this prayer meeting for those in authority. We have women's prayer meetings on Friday that we do, which are powerful. We have all this prayer going up. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. But to me, if I read the words right, it's a pretty good opportunity. Because I get to bind and loose and change governments and all kinds of stuff in my own life and the life beyond, right? So I don't know why we get so dulled and so confused and so unbelieving. Maybe because the whole thing seems so invisible, but you know what? Everything requires faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he doesn't show up like a vapor every time we pray, <laughs> you know. But I tell you, many times his presence is there. So look at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11. So David has this son named Solomon. So David has this temple. I mean, Solomon has this temple. That he, David wanted to build it, but... God wouldn't let him. He made Solomon do it. So I'm going to read in verse 11. When Solomon finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, now this is the Lord appearing to him in an audible voice, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. So in that time, this is where God lived. It wasn't just for sacrifices. The sacrifices covered their sins. But it was where God Almighty's presence, his address was, in the Holy of Holies, in that temple. That's where he lived. And so when you prayed, you were getting something done because you were in that vicinity. You were in that precinct. You were, and the priests were getting sacrifices to cover your sins, and it was a place to seek God. That's why God said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And when Jesus came, he was angry because they had made it a robber's den, because he knew this was the central address of God. It was God's holy presence. Today, where is it? It's when two or three gather together in Jesus' name. That's where the presence is. And there's a lot more than two or three here, so it gets even more magnified, right? I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. That's what God is with you, especially when you pray with another person, husband and wife. All of a sudden you have God's attention. You notice that? All of a sudden. He's there. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Is that significant? Okay. Let's turn this like into this program we got, you know. We all gather, we do. No, but it's more than that. It's a romance, not a program. My eyes and my heart will be there when you pray together. My eyes and my heart, I will be there because I love you. And I am so interested in what you have to say. Ah, when you think of God this way, and this kind of passion and love and unity with us, it changes everything. When God's just a program, we turn prayer into a program or a religious thing or fire insurance, whatever it is. Oh, how we suffer. Because God didn't intend it that way at all. First of all, it drains our faith. But to know that God, my eyes and my heart will always be there. Are you kidding me? When I pray together with another person, just two or three, my eyes and my heart will always be there. Husbands and wives, what an opportunity. There's two. Bring one of your kids in. There's three. My eyes and my heart will always be there. See, your daughter is already praying. You just didn't know her. Right? <laughs> She's noisy, isn't she? 
drives you crazy in the beginning, but it works out. Believe me. Well, it drives you crazy along the way, too. But anyway, that's okay. So, in the New Testament, the church picks up the prayer mantle by simply gathering together for prayer in Jesus' name. We already saw that. What you may not have seen is 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17, which explains who we are. We are the new people God has chosen to pray for the world's troubles. You just read those verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. This is really important because he says it because people then didn't know or forgot, and we do the same. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That's why we come together. That's why we come together in a, a meeting like this. We're not just anybody. We're God's temple. We're his place where he comes to live. No matter what mood you came in, no matter what your condition of your body, no matter how disappointed you have in God or discouraged or whatever, when you gather, it's God's temple. And the God's spirit dwells in your midst. The spirit of God's here. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So be careful how you handle churches that gather together in Jesus' name. Be careful how you touch them. They're powerful. They're God's house where he dwells. And from that place, the most amazing thing, uniquely, we can pray. We get to change the atmosphere of our lives. We can ask God for anything and even feel his presence. Didn't you feel the presence in the worship today? Hopefully in the sermon a little bit, but I know in the worship you felt a lot. It was wonderful. That's not only Chris's ability and the band's ability, which is amazing, but it's God on them. I hadn't heard Chris lead in a while. Thank you, Chris, for coming. It was so awesome. And, you know, we had a full decade of your worship and music, or more. I don't even, I can't even remember how many years it's been, but, but uh, it was just uh, so amazing. But when you played, uh, when you just string that guitar, and I'm listening, I go, oh, there's that presence he brings again. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. We have a lot of others that bring the presence as well, but you're, every one of our worship leaders unique, pl- uh, has a unique place in the house, and you begin to go, oh, there's that presence, that sweet perfume we haven't smelled in a while, it was back in the house, so it was awesome, wasn't it? All right. <clears throat> and I'm not saying you're a sissy, I'm just saying that. I like the perfume. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) So, one more time. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you, in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred. Sacred. So what we did today, gathering, it's sacred. Even we just gather three or four of us, it's sacred. And we together are that temple. And I just want to close with something that David said, because the theme of this was praying for kings and all authority, and I'm trying to get you guys to focus on that and make sure you do that in twos and threes and, and maybe on our uh, uh, the National Day of Prayer, which to me is a great excuse. Can you imagine what happens when all the believers get together in Jesus' name? And I think this year they're going to be extremely motivated, you know, and they have been for quite some time. The whole season's been like, that's been the good news of this whole situation uh, that we've been facing with COVID and all the rest, it's it's taken believers to a whole new place in their prayer life and in their gathering and their appreciation of one another. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I come together, and this, I just appreciate that we even get together. I, and I was, I told you a, a couple of weeks ago, we were in here, and I, <clears throat> so what, we were in here alone so much doing this live stream. And so I was in here, and I'm 
singing and worshiping, and I'm going, wow, what's that extra thing that's in the room? Man, this is so amazing that I realize, hey, it's voices. Real people are in here. People are actually singing. There are people in here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was a little slow that day. But anyway. Okay. So this is what David says. And I want to finish with this. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me. God said to David. When one rules over people in righteousness. When he rules in the fear of God. He is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning. Like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. In other words, when we get good government, it's pleasant for the whole land. It's present at every level of authority where there's good government. Whether it's a baseball team or a, or a high school or an elementary school. That's why we have to do our school. We have to have good government because our educational system is getting more and more corrupt. So when we bring good government, our children experience the light of morning at sunrise, brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. It's pleasant. And so it is with God's people. That's why we need to be keep praying for those in authority, pray for kings of all authority, especially this week. And well after this week, we're going to officially do it on Thursday, but pray. Twos and threes, fives, husbands, wives, families, pray for the President of the United States, right on down, all the local authorities, even corporate figures who are exerting very unusual authority in this day and time, and other kinds of authorities that are leading, that are influencing and shaping our nation. Amen. Let's all stand. So, Chris, you're going to play a little bit, right? Okay. So what I'd like to do is I'm just going to pray as he plays. I'm going to pray. I'm just going to ask God with you for our government, for those in authority. But I'm just going to pray some general things. But they're going to play a little bit. I don't know how long, maybe one song or two. And uh, I know some of you will have to get your kids, and there's other things you have to do, but I'm going to pray here in the beginning as he starts playing, and then we're just going to do worship. But while we're worshiping, you might just lift your soul to the Lord and just ask God specifically for things that, as he leads you to pray. Just, just ask him to touch you, show you what to pray. and Just pray to God and ask him. Ask him for breakthrough. You can pray over personal things, but make sure you pray for our government. State of California, County of Orange, United States of America, even distant countries. So, Lord, <clears throat> we together, one people under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. What beautiful words. I want to thank you for giving those words over the country we live in. We thank you. What a privilege. We pray with one voice, Lord, that you would change the heart of our kings. The governor of California, the president of the United States, and all the others. Channel their heart like water. 
May they do the will of God despite themselves. May they respect our laws, our heritage, and especially you, O Lord. Bring divine appointments to them of people who can share the good news with them and help them understand. May you give them wisdom, even the lowliest of our leaders. May you give them wisdom. May you have them turn. May you rearrange their lives like you did with Nebuchadnezzar. The most powerful man on the earth, and you humbled him and made them the lowest man in one day. And then you elevated him again. What a roller coaster. Lord, the most powerful men and women on the earth, we pray for them right now. We ask you to change their heart. We ask you to just bring them to the authority of authorities and the King of Kings. I pray for ambassadors to go to them, special emissaries, pastors and leaders and teachers from the body of Christ to encourage them. Let them know how God thinks. Change their heart. May we see the greatest hours and days of our country in the future. We will not give up. We will not leave it to someone. A false narrative, Lord. While we are here, we live in the land. While we are here, we change the atmosphere. While we are here, we are kings and priests. Bring healing to our land. Bring salvation and good government at every level. Keep COVID and all its related entities out of our land. Keep the plagues away. In Jesus' name, drive them right out of the land, Lord. In Jesus' name. No more in Orange County and beyond. Have mercy on our people and the broken, those that are suffering of heart, those that are grieving over lost loved ones that were lost either to death or for some other reason. We pray for them right now. Uncles, aunts, grandpas, grandmothers, mothers, fathers in distant lands. We intercede. We ask you for mercy over them. Have mercy. Have mercy over our children. Every lost authority that doesn't know Jesus in Orange County, Lord, pray you'd heal them. We pray for our governing authorities in, Mission, in Laguna Niguel, Mission Viejo, all the cities in these areas, the city councils. May they be full of the Holy Spirit, make wise judgments for their people in every way. Keep bringing godly people into places of government. Those that are in government, I pray you change their heart and make them godly. Like you did Nebuchadnezzar, I pray in every way, O oh God, your will would be fulfilled. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. So we're going to just worship together and stay as long as you like. And do business with God. And if you have to go, feel free.